Let's take our Bibles, if you will, and turn to the 23rd Psalm, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Psalms, of course, were songs that were sung in the tabernacle during David's day, and of course in the temple during Solomon's time, and I guess that being so, I believe the 23rd Psalm to be the greatest song that has ever been written. It has topped all the charts in uh, meeting the needs and speaking to the hearts of God's people. I want to emphasize the latter part of verse number 6 for the sermon tonight where David said, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I believe that for whatever this psalm may mean to you, however it has spoken to your heart, it seems to me that the very purpose and intent of the shepherd, the very goal upon his mind is one throughout all of this psalm. And that is that he couples up with the sheep in verse 2, he takes them down through verse, or verse 1, he takes them down through verse 2, 3, 4, 5, and ultimately his final goal is to take them all the way to the house of the Lord. I'm glad that I'm going somewhere, aren't you? Uh, we're not aimlessly roaming around in some terrain. We are not wandering in circles. We are not rambling in a desert, but we're following the shepherd. And according to Luke chapter number 15, uh, Jesus gave the parable concerning the shepherd who had the hundred sheep and one was lost. He left the 99, they went into the wilderness until he found that one, and then the Bible explicitly said he put it on his shoulders. And after he putteth him on his shoulders, he taketh him home. So anywhere you see the shepherd, you know he's always headed in one direction. He's headed to the house. And of course, all of his sheep are headed to the house with him. And so David wants us to know that in this 23rd Psalm, simply put, it's a journey to the house of the Lord. And so let's begin by reading verse 1 with that thought in mind. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and... I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to preach tonight for just a few moments on this subject, the situations of the journey home. Now David lets us know that we're on a trip. Uh, We're on a journey. We are progressing toward the house of the Lord. But this trip 
is made up of many different situations. It's the situations that uh, we read in these six verses that makes up this song. Uh, he seems to refer to some good situations. Of course, when he in verse number two says and speaks of the green pastures, the tender green grass, uh, that's a good situation along the journey, uh, running into those illustrious uh, fields of grass to partake of. He also talks in verse number two of those still, deep, cool waters of which the sheep are able to partake of. He's talking about these, referring to the, the good times. Uh, he speaks in verse three of the paths of righteousness. And uh, he talks about in verse four of the staff and the rod of the shepherd. In verse number five, he talks about a table that's prepared before him and oil that anoints his head and the cup that runneth over. And, and verse number six, of course, he talks about goodness and mercy that follows him. David just wants us to know and he says, listen, we're on a journey. Uh, we're headed to the house of the Lord. And he said, I just want to testify and let you know there are some wondrous and wonderful experiences amid the situations as we progress to the house of the Lord. And what one of us tonight couldn't step, stand up if we had time and testify as to how blessed it has been. Uh, in my experience for 35 years of walking with the shepherd all the way home, and thank God there's some been, there has been blessed experiences. There have been wonderful times being with the shepherd. He refers to those good times in the situations that he's involved in as he goes home. But David is honest and also in our text he seems to infer that there are some unpleasant times. I think he does so in verse 3 where he says, He restoreth my soul. Now, I don't know what all is involved in the thought that David has here of being restored. But I do know that any time something has to be restored, it has to be brought back and put back in place. Something unpleasant has happened. In the case of the sheep, it may have been cast down upon his back, losing circulation, quickly coming to the place of, of death, and the shepherd rushes to his care and restores him uh, upright and begins to massage and bring life back into that sheep. Or the unpleasant time may have been when the sheep strayed from the fold and got to a, a precipice or a jagged rock cliff and fell a piece. And the shepherd had to come along with the staff, the hook, and reach down and pull him back to safety. Or it may have been another time when a wolf or a bear might have gotten after the sheep and drove him back to the fold and the shepherd had to fight off the enemy. David said, I just want you to know there were, there were some times along the journey, to be honest, that I had to be restored. Boy, that's the truth in my journey. Yes, there have been blessed times 
blessed conditions and blessed experiences, but there have also been those times of which I've found myself having to be restored for one thing or another, being brought back because of my waywardnesses, being brought back because of my stubbornnesses, having to be brought back because of my self-willedness. He, he had to restore and we could all confess to that. Those times of restoration, he implies that there's been some unpleasant times in the restoration. There are some unpleasant times in that he had to walk through a valley. In verse number t uh, five, possibly some unpleasant times when he talks about uh, the presence of his enemy. He just wants us to know there have been good times and there have been unpleasant times, but they have made up the journey with the shepherd as we go to the house of the Lord. Now, I remember back several years ago, the last church I pastored for 18 years, there was a fellow there that lived up a, a holler called Gouges Creek, right at the base of a mountain there in North Carolina, the western, northwestern mountains where I live. And uh, he invited me, my wife, and children to come and eat with him, him and his wife and children on a Saturday evening about 6 o'clock. And of course, being a preacher, I agreed. And, uh, but he said to me, he said, we're going to eat about 6 o'clock, but he said, I do a lot of walking and hunting uh, across these mountains. He said, I'd like for you to come early and walk with me. Well, I was as bad out of shape then as I am now. And uh, I said to him, and Alda took it as a hint, what time do you want me to show up? He said, well, we eat at 6 o'clock. You come 11 that morning. Oh. Well, I was a sucker. I showed up. We walked out of that man's house and started immediately up to the side of one of those mountains. I, literally, I was holding on to the laurel thickets uh, uh, going up in there to start with. And I was talking to myself and I thought, well, maybe he's got a praying ground up here somewhere and we'll go pray a little bit and come back uh, to the house and drink some tea and fellowship. Well, if he had a praying ground, we didn't stop at it. We just kept on going. The Lord being my witness, we went from one plateau to another till we got to the peak of that range of mountains. Looking down over the valley, and then we started down the other side to the, got down to the bottom of the little gravel road. My wife, as she was here, she had verified it that by the time we hit that road down there, we had been walking for five solid hours. There was not a place on the bottom of my feet that was not sore, tender. And I prayed, I really did. I prayed in earnest. I wasn't fooling around. I said, God, send my wife after me. We had two or three more miles to go back up that curvy road to get to the house. And just a little bit, God answered prayer. My wife come around, his wife, in, in their van. They opened that side door and I just lunged in. We went back and he lived in a little humble place. Nothing fancy at all, but I'll tell you, when we pulled up in that driveway, that was the prettiest house I'd ever seen. 
I'll have to say that was the best meal that I'd ever sat down and the best tea that I'd ever drank in my life. Someone said, Preacher, well, what made it all so good? I'll tell you what, the trip. The trip. And may I be honest with you tonight, yes, there will be times when the shepherd will take you in to some adverse situations and he will allow you to be confronted in some uh, adverse and unpleasant conditions. But even if he does so, the only thing that he, reason he's doing it is he's trying to magnify home to our hearts, stirring our hearts up about where he's taking us to the house of the Lord. Now, there are three things that I want to say to you tonight concerning the situations, the conditions, the predicaments, the things that you go through in life as we journey to the house of the Lord with the shepherd. The first thing I want to bring to your attention that jumped out at me from these six verses that I'd have you to notice is that the situations of the journey home, the things that we go through as we journey home with the shepherd are first of all personal situations. David's not talking about some other sheep. He is not writing about what he has heard or read in a book. But he wants us to know that the shepherd personally participates in every situation that you go through from here to the house of the Lord. I do not know what tomorrow holds for any of you here tonight. And I cannot promise you that you will not have to go through some valley or face some enemy. I cannot tell you that situations will not arise that are unpleasant. But I can tell you this, that no matter what situation you find yourself in, the shepherd will always be there. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I will participate in all of your situations. David emphasizes that as we look down through this text, as he makes reference to himself in the midst of the situation and how the Lord is personally there. Look down through this text, if you will, again. David said, the Lord is whose shepherd? He's my shepherd. Now, he's not discrediting that he is the shepherd of the other sheep. But David says, I can't speak for everybody else. I can only tell you what it means to me. Now, I suppose tonight that most of you that are here, and I would pray that all of you know the Lord Jesus, but I'd be a fool to stand up here and tell folks about you and your relationship with the Lord. I don't know anything about that. All I can tell you is the Lord is my shepherd, and I pray that he is your shepherd. And so David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Who is it that's not going to want? He said, I shall not want. It's personal. He said, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still water. He said, it's personal. What he's doing in my life in these situations are, are personal situations. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with who? Me. 
Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Oh, how real the shepherd becomes in the midst of the situation. How personal he wants to be in your heart and life. And that's why he's taking you this journey so he can reveal himself to you in a personal way. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And he said, I'm going to cap it off and say, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, I'm glad you're saved tonight. I'm glad you know the Lord. But what good would that be for me if I didn't know him? David said it's personal all the way in this journey to the house of the Lord. You know, uh, I was raised back in the hills of West Virginia. Now live in North Carolina, have for the last 28, 29 years. And I wasn't raised in church. I had no religious background. As far as I know, I'd never heard uh, the gospel and never read one verse of the Bible. I'd never heard a prayer prayed as far as a, a true prayer to the Lord Jesus up until I was 15 years old. My dad was an alcoholic all of his days. My mother left when I was a year and a half old. He never remarried. And so I was raised in that environment, and, and what we're doing tonight was so totally foreign to me. I didn't even know, I didn't battle it. I didn't even know it existed until through the providence of God, He led me to a place to where I heard the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. I could take you to a little spot where I was by myself, I thought, uh, after I'd heard the gospel, it had gotten into my head. And the Lord showed up on that spot. And he spoke to me just as real, now not audible, but as real as I'm speaking to you right now. I'd never talked to the Lord. I, I didn't know you could. And he said to me as, he, as I was walking, he said, now I need to talk to you. And I said, and I talked to him. I said, yes, Lord. He said, uh, you know that my son died for you now, don't you? And I said, I sure do. I know that he, he died for my sin, was buried, rose again the third day. I heard that. He said, well, now, what are you going to do about that? And I thought you had to get saved in church. And so I said, Lord, I was talking to him. I said, Lord, if you let me live the next Sunday morning, I'll go to church and I'll get saved. And he said, well, if it's all the same to you, I'll just do it now. And boy, he did. Oh, just a 15-year-old boy. I felt a load lift off of me. I went to bed like a baby. A newborn baby is what I was. I went back to that church where I'd heard the gospel. I told them I was saved. They baptized me. And the first thing I did is I got me a Bible. And you know what I called it? My Bible. I'm talking about personal. It's amazing how the Lord makes this thing personal. I'm glad tonight we're not just a digit or a number or a group. He said, I call my sheep by name. It's personal. And uh, I tell you, I began to pray. And when I prayed, I started talking to my father. And I started telling people about my Jesus. 
And I told them about my home that was in heaven. All of that that was so far removed that I was a stranger to became mine personally. This is what David is emphasizing. This is a personal. The shepherd wants to be personal in all of our lives. As we journey home, he makes himself even more personal. The further we go, the more real he becomes to us. Matter of fact, it's so real that I believe when we get to heaven, it's not going to be like a lot of folks think. They, they, you know, a lot of folks think when we get to heaven, Simon Peter's going to be waiting at the gate. And he's going to be inspecting the sheep as they or inspecting us as we come through. But I don't believe there'll be any inspecting. The reason why I don't is because I believe that the shepherd personally leads every one of his sheep in the glory. And you don't have to inspect what the shepherd leads because he don't lead hogs. He don't lead wolves. He, he only leads sheep. And so we'll be welcome in heaven. And when we get in heaven, I don't believe it'll be the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost on a distant throne and us standing back here all chilled up. No. There was enough Jesus for me. When I came here tonight, he came with me. And when we leave this place, if you know him, there's enough of Jesus that he's going to go home with every one of us. And so when we get to heaven, I think what heaven's going to be in this personal matter is that me and Jesus is going to personally come and visit you and Jesus. Because I'm here to tell you, if there's any less Jesus in heaven than there is in this world, I'm not interested in going there. I want to go where I can fellowship with him full time. He is personal. And we are having the journeys. The 23rd Psalm is about a journey home as we couple up with the shepherd and we move through the situations as David's talking about. But the important thing is is to know that the shepherd is personally with you as you travel. Another thing that I notice in this journey home concerning the situations as we travel with the shepherd to the house of the Lord, not only is it personal, <laughs> but it seems to be so practical, so simplistic, so down to earth. This journey is not a super duper journey. It's not a journey that involves great mentality. It is not a journey that involves a, a wondrous education. It is not a journey of which there has to be great strength. But actually, it's a simple journey. <laughs> Somebody said, I just don't think I could make it. Why, he's made it so simple, the journey. Through the situations. I notice as David talks about the shepherd and sheep, as they migrate and progress to the house of the Lord, it's so simple. Aren't you glad that salvation is simple? Aren't you glad that, that this journey with the Lord is a simple journey? You don't have to be able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. You don't have to be able to be faster than a, loco, a bullet and, and stronger than a locomotive as Superman. 
<laughs> Sheep are not made that way. They're simple animals made for the simple journey. The good news tonight is, is the Lord knows our frailties and he has coupled up with us to take us on a trip that is very practical, not only personal, but it is very, very practical. I notice in our text that as far as the journey home is concerned, only, it only involves three or four things. That's what makes it so wonderful. You're going to find these sheep are only doing three or four things. One, they're possibly eating, as he talks about in verse 2, the, the green grass. Number two, they're probably thirsty and they're drinking from the, the still waters uh, of verse number uh, verse number two. Number three, they are lying down and resting as he implies when he says he maketh me to lie down. Or number four, they are walking as he's being led in paths of righteousness or as he walks through the valley. So there's only three, four things that sheep do. They eat, uh, they drink, they sleep, or they walk. Not a great amount of trouble, just a simple uh, migrating to the house of the Lord in the, in the practical sense. And here's the thing that I want you to see. So many times we want, a, a, uh, we want to make our experience, our everyday experience, something that is, that is explosive and something that is way out there and, and something that is, is uh, swinging from the chandeliers and sometimes that may happen and it may be all right. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus, he desires and he's interested in being a part of your life more than just on Sunday morning or on Sunday night or when something extravagant help happens in your life because 99% of life is just everyday living. And if you can learn to experience the shepherd in the everyday life, then you can enjoy the situations along the journey. The shepherd wants... Did you know that the shepherd was there this morning when you got out of bed? He'll be there in the morning when you get in the car and head to the work. Matter of fact, he'll hang around all day with you on the job. Mama, if you're at the house taking care of the young'uns, the shepherd will be there all day long. He doesn't mind the mundane task. He doesn't mind the everyday routine. He's the shepherd of all the situations. I'm glad he is, aren't you? I'm glad I can enjoy him in the... In the uh, Silent times, I can enjoy him in the, I can enjoy him in the insignificant hours. I, I can enjoy him even as David was able to enjoy him because you see, when you think he's doing the least, many times he's doing the most in your life in simple situations. I was thinking about David and how God used him. And we could talk about how he slew the giant. And that was a great feat. We could talk about him being king in Israel for 40 years. That was a, a marvelous thing. We, we could talk about how he slew so many of the uh, Philistines. And he did. 
But you know what I believe the greatest thing that David ever did? It was the writing of the 23rd Psalm. Has no doubt reached out in its tentacles and touched more hearts and more lives than anything. But where did this come from? It came from the simplicity of David's life. You remember his brethren, they were so strong and stout and tall that, that Samuel thought that each one of them was going to be king. And at the same time, David's on the backsides of the Judean hills and he's tending to the sheep. No one knows what's going on in his life out there. He's not even thought of as king material while he's out there throwing rocks and tending the sheep. No doubt God showed up in his life. And when no one else was thinking about him, God was thinking about him in the practical places. I don't know exactly how it happened, but I guess it's kind of like a fellow writing a song or a preacher getting a sermon. The Lord showed up and the Lord said, David, you know who these sheep represent? And David said, I ain't got a clue, Lord, who? He said, those are my people. And David said, wow, I hadn't thought of that. And the Lord said, David, you know who you signify and represent? David said, no, Lord, I, have, I don't have any idea. He said, you represent me. I am the shepherd of my people. And David must have said, praise God, I've got to find a pen somewhere and write that down before I forget it. And out of his experience with shepherd and sheep, he is made to write the 23rd Psalm from those, those everyday tasks. Oh, how the shepherd wants to be real to you and I. In the practical sides of life. He wants to be your glorious shepherd to testify of through your everyday experiences. How, how personal and how, how practical. Now I want you to notice with me lastly how that this is a journey home and how David is going through the situations as he progresses with the shepherd. And he said, these situations, they, they, they are personal and they are practical. <laughs> They're just every day. But I want you to notice what seemed to leap out to me from this 23rd Psalm and, and the situations that are in there. Not only are they personal, not only are they practical, but I want you to notice that out of these situations, uh, we find that they are provisional. Now, when the shepherd puts his flock together, our shepherd, when he put his flock together, he doesn't call these sheep out, leading them on a journey through many dangerous toils and snares to the house of the Lord. He doesn't call them out with the thought in mind that he might need the help of the cattle rancher to get them there. But he is perfectly confident that he will be able to supply the needs of all of his sheep, no matter what the situation is, all the way to the house of the Lord. How comforting that is to know that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all and that he will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But you say, well, preacher, how's the Lord going to meet my need? Out of the situation. Now, the problem we have as God's people is we spend most of our time praying 
that God will get us beyond our situation. Or he will remove us from our situation. Or somehow he'll change our situation. And from time to time, thank God, he does. But he hasn't led you into a situation just to waste time. He has led you into a situation because in that situation he is going to show you something. He is going to give you something. He is going to supply something that could never be met anywhere else outside that very particular situation. That's why when Paul prayed because of his thorn in the flesh, he said, I got grace that is sufficient for thee in the situation. My grace will be made known there. And so from time to time, the shepherd will lead you into some situation, some uncomfortable, unpredictable, wearisome situation so that in the midst of it, he can let you know that he is God even of the situation. He's not just God in the good times. He's not just the shepherd in the good times, but he's the shepherd in all situations. And he will provide in the midst of the... Oh, think about that park right there just for a minute. What is your situation? What are you facing? What is heavy upon your heart? What is eating at you? Right in the midst of that situation, it could be tonight that the shepherd's trying to meet your need there. But I said it's there in the situation. Oh, well, look at it with me, if you will, in the text. David tells us about some situations. And he tells us about how the Lord met his need and met a need in the situation. In verse number two, David tells us. He said, you know, I was in a situation to where I was made to lay down. He said, I didn't volunteer for it. I really didn't want to. But I was made to lie down. There are those times when the shepherd will make you lie down. When you really don't want to, he'll make you lie down. But David said, while I was lying down, I got to seeing some stuff that I hadn't noticed this close before. He said, while I was lying down, I saw that tender green grass. Now, he'd seen grass before many times, but he'd never seen that kind of grass nor that close up. But he said, it was while I was lying down, I was able to enjoy the grass. But it came out of my situation of being made to lie down. He said also in verse number two, there was a situation of stillness. But he said, in the midst of the stillness, I looked and there was that cool, deep water out of my situation. He said in verse number four, there was another situation. He said, I was walking through a valley in my situation. But he said, right in the midst of that dark, shaded valley, in the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I got to catching a glimpse and just a little shade of light here and there. Yeah. 
And he said, I've seen my shepherd many times, but I've never seen him from this situation and in this life. And he said, I got to looking, and he said, I declare, I believe he's got something in his hands. And he said, I looked a little closer, and I saw a rod and a staff. And he said, praise God, even though I'm in a valley, and I'm in this situation, I'm not going to fear, because I saw my shepherd's rod and staff. Oh, seeing some stuff in your situation. The provisions that sat out. And on down there in verse 5, he said, I was in another situation. I could hear the growls of the enemy. I was in the presence of my enemy. I could hear a little, I could hear some stirring in the bushes. I could hear some roars up there. But he said right there in the midst of that situation when I could sense the enemy that would devour me, I lifted my eyes and I saw that the Lord had given me a table in my situation. Oh, aren't you glad that the Lord is able to do what needs to be done in the most adverse and unpleasant situations. He's the Lord, I say again, of the situations. Don't get in too big a hurry to get out of your situation. You might not be, you might not be moaning and groaning about your situation. But if you just lift your head a little bit and look around, right within reaching distance, the Lord might have the answer to whatever you need. But it's in the situation. You're trying to get out of what He's put something into. You remember back there in 2 Kings when, uh, the widow came to Elisha and he, she said to him, O man of God, my husband, which was also a man of God, thy servant, has passed away and they've come to collect. And I don't have any money and they're going to take my two sons and make servants out of them. And Elisha looked at her and he said to her, What, what did you leave back at the house? In other words, she, he's saying... You didn't leave nothing in the situation, did you? <laughs> I can imagine that puzzling look as she's already told him that she's busted, broke, and they're coming to take the youngins. But he said, "Boy, well, just wait a minute. Let's go back to the situation, lady. Just think, you've, you've gotten out of your situation coming down here asking me to do something for you, but let's just make sure the situation ain't dried up. Let's go back to the situation. Now you told me the collectors has been there around that place and they're demanding pay and they're going to put the boys in and make the slaves out of them. But did you have anything there in that situation that might be able to meet that need? And she said, well now preacher, to be honest with you, the only thing in the whole house that I've got is a little old cup of oil and it's up there in that, in, in that, on the shelf there in that cabinet. And I mean, you know, that's all I got. <laughs> he said, that's all you need. <laughs> said, darling, you don't need no big miracles out of me. Just go back to your situation and pour out of your situation until you can't pour no more and see if God won't meet your need out of the situation. Of course, she went back and she poured every pot and, uh, and kettle she had borrowed full and sold it, paid off the debt. 
And her and the boys went out to eat. And you say, well, where did it come from? It come out of that desolate, desperate, dark situation. Closed up in the darkness. Behind the doors. In that cupboard. In the midst and the heart of her impossible situation was everything that she would need for the situation. Ah, the shepherd's not just wasting time. He's got you in your situation. Of course, we don't like it like that. Uh, You know, we're all looking for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. We think it's on the other side of the fence. If we could just, like the sheep, if we could jump the fence. If we could somehow go around this valley, it sure would be much better than going through it, I figure. (laughs) And if somehow they could take these animals and put them in a zoo while we go through here. I mean... Lions and tigers and bears don't mix with sheep. I'd appreciate it, Lord, if you'd put the lions and tigers and bears in zoos and lock them up until we get through here. <laughs> That's amazing. He doesn't do that, does he? He'll, pay, he'll bring us right smack dab through the middle of them. He'll begin to meet our needs. I was preaching a meeting in Greenville, North Carolina, and the pastor and I went to one of the family's houses to eat. And while we were driving there, the preacher told me, he said, now, this is a good family. He said, they love the Lord. But he said, I need to forewarn you to brace you that the man of the house believes that he's going to win the Reader's Digest sweepstakes, $3 million. And so he'll tell you about it, I'm sure. So we go and we eat, and it seems like a common sense fella. And when we're finished, he pushes back from the table and he said, now, preacher, I want to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, the Lord is going to let me win the Reader's Digest sweepstakes. I said, is that right? He said, yeah. And he said, I'll tell you why. He said, I've done told my preacher the church needs the money. We need to, to remodel and so on. And said, we got a mission program and said, I could do a lot for missions out of that Reader's Digest sweepstakes. And he said, I done told my preacher I'm going to help him out. And he said, I like your preaching and said, I'm going to give you $40,000. But he said, now all I want is for you to pray that I'll win it. And you know how we preachers are. We have this mean streak that nobody knows about. And so I said to him, I couldn't bite my tongue. I said, sir, if I had faith enough to believe that I could pray and you would win the Reader's Digest sweepstakes, $3 million, I wouldn't pray for you. (laughs) I'd pray for me, wouldn't you? <laughs> what do I want forty thousand for when I go home with three million? <laughs> but isn't that the way we are? Fox News said that in two thousand two, I hadn't heard the report of of two thousand three, but two thousand two, thirty eight billion dollars was spent on the lottery by Americans. 
And every dime of it was spent by people trying to get out of their situation. <laughs> and somehow I didn't have to go through that valley. And somehow I didn't have to hear those lions and tigers and bears. And somehow I didn't have to lay down. And somehow... Well, there's not going to be this somehow because the shepherd knows it's for your good and benefit to take you through these situations because if he doesn't, you're never going to see him and know him and receive from him the things that he has in store for you. In the midst of the situation, he is providing. I've got a little book. I close with this. I'm talking about the situation. The shepherd and the sheep are headed to the house of the Lord, but they're going through some situations that are personal, practical, but thank God they're provisional. I've got a book at the house. Your pastor may have it. It's titled Acres of Diamonds. And uh, it's a fictional book, story, little story, paperback. And it starts out with two men. One's a farmer, owns a little ranch, pretty well off and they're on the front porch he is talking with a visitor the visitor is telling him how that he has heard that there are certain places in the world where they are digging in certain types of sand or dirt on creek banks and they're finding diamonds but you have to find that certain type of soil within which these diamonds will be and it's on a creek bank well, the farmer, when he went to bed that night, he couldn't get it off his mind. He was pretty well off, but he got to thinking, man, if I could get those diamonds. And so as the story went, he sold his farm, took his money, and he went around the world looking for that certain type of soil on a creek bank that would produce these diamonds or have diamonds in it. And, and of course, he went to India, to Asia, to Africa, to China, and, and uh, many, many different places. And and didn't find it and ended up dying in poverty. He spent all of his money looking for the soil that might have the diamonds in it. And then this little story, the, it goes back to the farm of which the man sold. And there was a family that bought that little farm that had a little girl and she was out in the backyard playing in the creek. <laughs> Digging down in the dirt as the story goes and and she shoveled out some glittery crystal-like stuff. And guess what it was? You got it. Diamonds. And the moral of the story went this way. Here was a man that sold what he had, went all around the world looking for what was in his backyard. <laughs> The shepherd may have you laying down in the grass. He may have you over here by the steel. He might have you in a little valley. He may have you near the lions and tigers and bears section of the zoo. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you, no need you to squirm and try to get out of that, thinking that some, if you could just get somewhere else, everything would be all right. If they'd just change things down to the job, or if I could just move, or if they... No. Just... Get right real still where you're at and say, Shepherd, I know you're here. And I'm just a wondering, what are you trying to show me?
And what are you trying to meet in my life? What need is it that you're trying to give me in my situation?